sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after on this Wednesday right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM channel 159, the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM and all across the Spiz Grizz network. I am Ben Stevens. A smattering of sports for you in this second and final hour on this Wednesday TMA. We'll get Dubs Anderson back in the mix. He filled in so wonderfully last week. Talk a little PGA Tour plays. A big tournament at the Wells Fargo Championship this week in North Carolina. We'll go around the association with some help from our producers, Pitt, and of course, some Major League Baseball daily picks with Drew Martin best bets coming later in this second hour as well. But a smattering indeed, because maybe throughout the last couple of days, you've been monitoring what's happening in the college football landscape. A very turbulent time in CFB with the transfer portal and NIL truly picking up in a way we have not seen in the history of college football with all this out now front and center and legal in collegiate athletics and one of the biggest storylines focused on one individual player in two individual schools is Pittsburgh's Jordan Addison one of the best wide receivers in the country the Bolitnikoff winner for the best wide out in the country last year in the 2021 campaign potentially making his way to USC because he was offered a lot of money to go play for that Trojans football program. And yesterday, Jordan Addison officially entered the transfer portal. Now, he has said, and his camp has said, that he has not ultimately made up his mind as of yet, but this all follows suit for the rumors that were swirling over the weekend in college football landscapes for Jordan Addison to leave Pittsburgh to go to USC and play under first-year Trojans head coach, of course, Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. There was a rumor that Pat Narduzzi, the head coach in Pitt, called Lincoln Riley and scolded him for possible tampering in this situation. Everybody has said this is the wild, wild west. Is this what we want college football to look like where a player can pick up on a whim and head out to Southern California for greener pastures and $3 million? Well, that's what we have right now, and at least it's happening in front of the scenes. Here's a word of caution, though, for you out there. I would not say this is the death of college football. I would not say this is the death of collegiate athletics there will be legislation put in place there will be guidelines there will be regulations that we need for nil and the transfer portal the ncaa sat on a back seat for nearly a decade and did nothing when they knew this was going to happen who could have foreseen it everybody that's why the ncaa is a sham they're already taking some maneuvers to try to get nil collectives otherwise known as boosters to stop paying for players to come to school because that's not what nil is college athletes are able to profit off their name image and likeness and earn their fair share of a billion dollar revenue industry but they're not allowed to be paid by the school's biggest boosters to come play that's not name image and likeness and that's what we're seeing a pay for play type system right now in college football but again there will be regulations there will be guidelines coming they should have already been here but the ncaa punted it down the line as they often do with big impactful things that do affect the landscape of collegiate athletics so don't worry just yet this is not what we are going to see it is not going to be a full-blown free agent system like professional athletics but even if it is 
It's just a different college football landscape than we're used to, but it's still going to be a college football landscape we can enjoy. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after on this Wednesday, live here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well, and I am Ben Stevens. Yes, it's the first week in the month of May. Yes, we are still a while away from fall camp and summer workouts starting in college football, but with Jordan Addison, the Blitnikoff winner from last year at Pitt, thinking that he might be going to USC, the storylines in college football are starting to swirl with this ever-changing landscape of NIL and the transfer portal. And as I said, this is not going to be what we know for the rest of time. Guidelines will come. Regulations will come. This wild, wild west, although it may reflect more of an open market system that college athletics deserves, is not going to be the death of college football. And anyway... College football is the only sport in all of the country where we can remember a random Saturday in October as one of the biggest narratives and storylines of the year outside of who ultimately wins the national championship. Because as we know, the same programs tend to dominate the college football playoff with the likes of Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame, and others, and Oklahoma taking up a good majority of the 32 possible spots we have seen in the eight-year history of the college football playoff. It's the only sport where on a random Saturday in October where Penn State and Illinois play nine overtimes, it's one of the biggest stories of the entire year. Where Kansas football puts the horns down and upsets Texas can be as big of a storyline as who makes the CFP in the first place. Now my rant is done. From an odds perspective, though, Jordan Addison going to USC will be a big boost to that roster under Lincoln Riley in Southern California. The Trojans, the second best price to win the Pac-12 as of right now. Oregon, the favorite at plus 200. USC at plus 300 as we look at the Pac-12 odds. And then as we look at those Pac-12 odds and move from the Pac-12 to the ACC, again, it was a down year last year for Clemson, although they're booked as a minus money odds on favorite right now at minus 130. Pittsburgh won the ACC last year under Kenny Pickett and that passing attack with Jordan Addison. They have the second best odds to win the Atlantic Coast Conference once again at plus 600. A long time to go until week zero for college football. So in the meantime, let's get some PGA Tour winners next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A very familiar face returns to the morning after right here, right now on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159 all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens and Dubs Anderson was here all last week when we needed him the most. When I was dealing with my bout with the flu, Dubsy was here, keeping you locked and loaded, bleeding the winning edge each and every day. So Dubs, a sincere thank you for filling in last week and for joining us here on this Wednesday on the morning after for some PGA Tour plays for the Wells Fargo Championship as well. Benny, great to see you, man. Big shoes to fill, mate. I'm like one of those shopping trolleys with a you know a rock in the third wheel. They're all over the shop, but we're trying to get to the same destination, and that is back in winners. And you know we're going to do it this week. The Wells Fargo Championship on the PGA Tour. We're now only two events out from mm. the next major, so this is prime time with the golf. 
Uh, it's on a new course this week. You may recognize it from back in 2017 and 2018. They used to play the quick and loans here, TPC Potomac. Great golf course. It's going to be a tougher one this week. Rory McIlroy is your favorite from up top of the board. And I think, Benny, he has found something. That great finish at the Masters. That is all the confidence Rory McIlroy needs to catapult his season, get back in the winner's circle. You look at the stats for him. Last six starts on the PGA yeah. to a three top tens. Plus 750. It's not a great number. But what we saw from John Rahm last week, the chalk got it done. And I'm going back to the top of the board this week. Roy McIlroy plus 750. I think that's a great number. Dubsy, how do you evaluate that plus 750? Because he's almost $10 less than every other golfer in this field right now from that odds perspective. Is there still value because it's still plus 750? Or is it harder to push that button for that price on Rory when he's such a short favorite? No, look, a lot of average bettors, Benny, who get involved with the PGA Tour, they want to cash the big tickets, the triple digits, but you've got to bet it the smart way. You've got to protect yourself. So for me, form coupled with a golf course that suits Roy McIlroy, I think it's a solid number. It's a decent field this week, but again, I'm probably only giving it yeah. a B plus in terms of field strength. What do you need to do well in this golf course this week? You've got to be long. You've got to be straight. You've got to have some shot making, and that's when Rory is at his best. It's a par 70 this week. Uh, only two par fives out in the golf course. They're brutes. It's going to be very tough for these guys to make birdies. You've got to be great on approach. So I want to see these guys squirm out there this week. I want to see them have a hard time. You look at some of these other numbers here in the outright market. This is a Corey Connors yeah. golf course, 17 to 1, but he just can't get back in the winner's circle. Tony Finau, I think he's found something at 21 to 1. But again, I question if he can get the breakthrough in. Keegan Bradley at 28 to 1 and Russell Henley at 32 to 1. They're very good numbers. In the golf betting, we look at strokes gained on approach. I'm very big on that stat this week, and that is an area that those two excel in. The average betting public, they don't like getting behind guys like Keegan Bradley or Russell Henley, but very good iron players. They are sharp shooters, so that is some very good value this week for the Wells Fargo Championship. Dubsy, as you well know, Rory McIlroy has found great success at the Wells Fargo when it was played in Teams. North Carolina at Quail Hollow. This is at TPC Potomac, as you mentioned, a new track. What's the biggest difference in your mind between those two courses? Man, I think they're actually going to play a very similar way, Benny. You've got to work the ball both mm. ways off the tee. It's not just bombing gouge. I mean, the big miss this week, you're in big trouble. So Roy's at his best when he has to play the golf course, you know, see what's in front of him. When he starts playing golf swing and it's an easy golf course where you've got to get it to 21, 22 under par, he's no good at that. This week, I think the winning mark's probably going to be, you know, 11 under par, 12 under par. You turn it back to 2017, 2018. Cole Stanley won here. Francesco Molinari won here. They did it by playing the small ball. Fairways greens, the old school way. Very small greens this week. The, you know, bent grass surface, so it doesn't suit everyone. But I do think the same traits, uh, you know, from Quail Hollow, where they're going to play the President's Cup later this year, that's why we're not there this week, can be applied this week. Right. Past 70, very tough Plus to score on this week. And I think that will benefit Rory, like you mentioned. Plus 750 as the short favorite. Also the favorite to be the round one leader at 21 to 1. Dubs, how important is it for Rory and the rest of the field to get off to a hot start this week at the Wells Fargo Championship? Yeah, very important, Betty, especially when it's going to be a marathon, not a flat-out sprint. Uh, you know, I think the cut's probably going to be over par this week. And the round one low market is a market I absolutely love. This is where you can get some great value. You can target your more erratic golfers, guys who probably, you know, can't get it done being a weekend warrior, but maybe they're playing early Thursday, Friday, not in your marquee groups. You know, the TV, the cameraman, they're not being followed out there. They're playing with, you know, Benny and Dubsy and just a, a little Thursday casual round. So this is where we target the value. I'm looking at guys like Bo Hosler, 
He's found something again on the PGA Tour. He had a good run back at this golf course in 2018. You can get him at 65-1. to 1. I like Max Homer, mm. who got his breakthrough win at this event. Now, look, I know it's a different golf course, but coming back to an event that you've won at prior, it's good vibes. You see your poster as you drive up through the gates of the golf course. It's good memory. So Max Homer, don't sleep on him. 55-1 to 1 for a round one low score. And then, again, I've got to go a bit more value here. Keith Mitchell at 55-1, to 1, a great driver of the golf mm. ball. And then Satoshi Kodaira, super streaky, but at 120 to 1, I've got to have a slice of it. Satoshi Kodaira, can he win the golf tournament? No. But can he make eight or nine birdies there in tomorrow's opening round and get the round one low score? Yes, he absolutely can. Satoshi Kodaira at 120 to 1. A casual Thursday pairing with Satoshi Kodaira, Ben Stevens, and Dubs Anderson <laughs> sounds like a fun time at the Wouldn't Wells Fargo Championship. Dubsy, I think maybe sometime in the middle of June, you and I will be in a casual Thursday pairing, maybe knocking around that little white ball out on a golf course Sorry as up. well. Stay tuned. Maybe that's the sports grid open later on <laughs> this summer. So, Dubs, you're targeting a couple of great value plays for that round one leader where you can find some value. A little bit of a sharper market where the edges are maybe a little bit harder to come by when it comes to the top 10 finishing positions. Who do you expect to have a big week at the Wells Fargo? I like Abraham Mansa. Uh, he's playing really good again. I thought he'd, he'd have more at the Mexico Open last week, but the form is coming in. Uh, he's got the course record here at TPC Potomac, and this is how you've got to play it. The AB Answer way, fairways, greens. Hasn't done much since winning the St. Jude last year, but I think he's now getting ready to get that second win. Plus 320 for a top 10. I think that's a good number. Patrick Reed, Captain America. A lot of people have forgotten about this guy, mm. but you put him on a golf course with small greens. You need good iron play. Greens and regs going to go down, so you need a bit of a short game. Paddy Reed at plus 450. And then Jason Day, my Aussie countryman, 6-1. to one. Now, he's not playing a lot of golf on the PGA Tour, but when he's showing up, I see signs that the game is back. I know he's physically getting back to full health. He recently uh, had his mum pass away, but I think the adversity is now in the revision mirror, and he can start focusing on trying to get back into the winner's circle. And a lot of people say, you know, what happens to guys like Jason Day? Well, it's part of growing up. These guys are in their early 30s. They're on the PGA Tour. They have kids, they have families. It's not easy to sustain that top level of golf yeah. to be, you know, your number one in the world. But I think Jason Day has the talent, has the ability to get back in the winner's circle. And come Sunday, we'll be scratching our head like, oh, it makes sense. Yeah, Jason Day. How do we forget about him? So six to one for a top 10. I like it. And those two guys you just mentioned right there, Captain America and Patrick Reed and Jason Day matched up against each other in a tourney match bet on the FanDuel Sportsbook where P. Reed is a slight favorite dubsy what's the approach to match bets not just this week but really every week on the pga tour to try to find that money and that profitability yeah you know we look at skill sets benny uh what, what horses for courses this is a golf course on big on accuracy yep. this week you've got to be coming from the fairway have a bit of a short game look maddie fitzpatrick great iron play uh, hasn't got the breakthrough win on the pga tour but it's only a matter of time and i'm sick of betting on Corey connor's and him not delivering. So Matty Fitzpatrick at plus 102. I think that's a great play. And I've got to go back to another matchup there. Gary Woodland taking on Mark Leishman. I'm big on keeping it straight. Big Leash, he does not keep it straight. He sprays it all over the ballpark. So I've got to get a slice of Gary Woodland there at minus 118. It's a Wells Fargo Championship. I cannot wait for this one, Benny. It doesn't matter what golf course it is. As long as the PGA Tour is pegging it up on a Thursday, Dubsy's a very happy boy. And he will be a very happy and hopefully profitable boy as well. I don't know if I like calling you a boy, Dubsy, but still, it works out. And you gave <laughs> us some winners, as you did last week, filling in here on the morning after as well. A sincere thank you once more. 
Thanks for setting the stage for the PGA Tour this week at the Wells Fargo Championship as well. Dubs Anderson, as always, a great time. Until June, my friend. We'll talk before June, but when we're out on the course together in June, that'll be fun too. Hey, you better bring that cheddar, Benny. You know, you know we're doing front nine, back nine, all 18, baby. I need to make yeah, some cash back sure. off you. You're a sleeper. Yeah, I'm getting some strokes off you, Dubsy. You're giving me six no, no, aside. No, no, no. I think it'll be a good time. No, no, More no, of the no, morning no, no, after no, no. up next. <laughs> sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com so much playoff basketball each and every night around the association you need the smartest analysis when we have two games last night another doubleheader on this wednesday evening and we break it down right here on the morning after on sports grid and sirius xm channel 159 i am ben stevens but really the knowledge when it comes to the nba comes out of our producer's pit where our producer in the morning john shames finds himself andrew bocci is there as well and when those glasses are on that's when you know the smart analysis is heading your way. John Shames, a happy man on this Wednesday morning when the Boston Celtics even up their series against the Milwaukee Bucks out in the Eastern Conference semis at one game apiece. I am a very happy man right now, Ben, for a number of reasons. Yes, my Celtics get a massive win last night and look absolutely dominant. We will dive into that in full, I am sure. But I'm also happy because you're back on my screen. It's us once more together as it should be. I think last time we were together, I was on the left, you were on the right. Now we're switching it back, so a lot's changing out here. But, Ben, great to be with you and happy you're feeling better, my friend. I am feeling great, Shames. I am glad to be talking hoops with you again. It was betting above the rim. Now it's the morning after. It's all we do here. Bleed the winning edge on the grid with us each and every day. So, Shames, you mentioned it. 109-86 last night. A dominant performance for the Boston Celtics. Not just a bounce back, but bouncing back in a huge way with a 20-plus point victory easily covering as a four-point home favorite. So, Shames, the C's now the series favorite as well at minus 134 on that outright price as we head back to Milwaukee and the Pfizer Forum. How many games do you think we see between Boston and Milwaukee? In the beginning of this series, I was feeling pretty confident that the Celtics would take it in five games. Game one oh. had me shook. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a spicy one, let's say, but the Celtics looked so <laughs> yeah, dominant against Brooklyn. Yeah, a little bit. But now, you know, taking that game one from Milwaukee certainly spooked me a little bit here. I still do think the Celtics get it done because I was so impressed last night with how they responded in the face of adversity. This is a team that has been very good in the first quarter all season, uh, but, but came out last night really on fire in that first quarter. And I was actually had my head in my, my hands at the end of the quarter, and I was like, oh, this is just asking for them to, to slowly blow this lead throughout the game. But it was not the case, Ben. The Celtics held on. They responded to the Milwaukee runs. And I think that that's what we're going to see for the majority of this series as well. I think it's going to be another tough game three right now. Maybe a little bit closer, but I do think the Celtics win. I'm going with Boston in six here, Ben. I do like Boston Ooh. laying that one and a half games on that series price. You can get them right now at plus Ooh. 210 to lay that one and a half game. Celtics in six. That's what I'm riding with, my friend. Plus 210 for the Celtics as the series favorites in the spread as well. Celtics in six 
says John Shames. That would happen in Milwaukee because in game number three, the Bucks right now booked as a slight three-point favorite against the Celtics on their own home floor. Boston, a slightly bigger favorite in their two home games that we have seen to open up this series against Milwaukee. We await the return of Chris Middleton. Maybe a status update in the coming days because game three is not until Saturday. A long break between Milwaukee and Boston before we get ready for that one. So, Shames, as we get ready for game number three between Milwaukee and Boston, we have game number two for the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat tonight. Also, game number two between the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. The Suns a favorite tonight and the favorites in the Western Conference. Do you think Phoenix should be that favorite atop the Western Conference odds board at even money right now? It's interesting, Ben. Phoenix and Golden State, to me, looking very similar right now and evenly matched in their series as well. I I do think the Dallas Mavericks, they didn't play as well as they should have in game one, but I do expect them to put up a better performance this evening. I think when you look at that Western Conference futures market there, as we can throw that up on the screen, we can see the Suns right there. Right now, they're at plus 100. That's even money. The Warriors plus 145. I think that's a sign to me that they think that the book thinks that the path for the Warriors is going to be a little bit more difficult. And whether that whether that's right. because, you know, they're not as good of a team as Phoenix or because the book believes a little more in Memphis, which we can also see on that odds board there. It, th- that's a little bit of an interesting uh, uh, situation to me in that Western Conference futures market. I would still price Phoenix as the favorite. They are the most dominant team when they're playing their best ball. The Warriors, to me, look a little vulnerable right now. We know Gary Payton losing him with that elbow injury. He's an elite Mm. defender for them and really going to be instrumental. If these teams match up in the Western Conference where you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker on the Phoenix side, Gary Payton the second not having him to to throw on as a defender is going to really impact that series as well. So I think the book has this one right. Right now in the way it's priced, Phoenix should be the favorite. They call him the mitten for a reason. That is Gary Payton II, obviously the son of Gary Payton, the glove, the last guard before Marcus Smart to win a Defensive Player of the Year award in the NBA. Yesterday, entering game number two for Golden State before falling to Memphis, they were plus 110 in the West. Now 35 cents of movement against them, but clearly a distinction between where Phoenix and Golden State are and the rest of the Western Conference right now. A preview, perhaps, of what we will see in the Western conference final shamesy guy we showed you those odds for dallas and phoenix tonight in game number two the sun's a six and a half point home favorite barely covering in game one winning by seven covering as a six point home favorite and the dallas mavericks outside of luca who had 45 didn't get a lot of support who needs to step up for dallas tonight in your opinion for the mavs to maybe cover that number or even pull out an outright victory I'd say Jalen Brunson is the first guy that we're all thinking of in that situation. We know he's been giving them a fantastic contribution this postseason right now, averaging well over 20 points per game. And last game, only scoring 13. Not the case that Ah. we've seen so far throughout the, the playoffs so far for Brunson. I expect him to have a better game tonight just because the shot volume was still there even in that game one. He's, he attempted 13 or 16 shots from the field. So the shot volume is still there. He's a guy who shoots 50% from the field on the season. He likes to get in the paint really elite with that mid-range floater game as well. So those shots start falling. I think it's a different story for Brunson this evening. The other guy is going to be Spencer Dinwiddie, that backcourt for uh, the, the Dallas Mavericks needs to step up in full. Dinwiddie right now, this postseason, he scored only single digits two times 
both losses for the Dallas Mavericks there. So we need Spencer Dinwiddie to step up as well and give Lucas some assistance scoring in that backcourt. Defensively, Dwight Powell needs to do a better job containing DeAndre Ayton, who has put up 20 points in many postseason games this, thus far and had 22 in the last one as well. Jamesy guy, we go back to the well tonight. You know it well. 18 and a half points is the points prop for Jalen Brunson. Under in game one, I understand. But nearly averaging 27 points per game so far throughout this postseason. That points prop has dropped by a point from game one to game two. They will need a bigger contribution out of Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie, as John Shames just laid out right there, if they want to cover that six and a half point spread tonight in game number two against the Phoenix Suns. So, Shames, as we continue to go through this Western Conference semifinal matchup between the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns, this is why game two is so important. When we look at the correct exact result following game three, you can find some profitability. Phoenix to be up 3-0, that's plus 184. Phoenix to be up 2-1 is minus 114. For the Mavericks to pull off something crazy and win outright in games two and three, that's tons of plus money. So game two and three, Shames, really the most important time, it seems, based on the odds in these series across the NBA playoffs. Yeah, it is because it really determines the direction of the series and how you go in in a lot of the situations as you're going to a new uh, arena and a new venue to play, what type of attitude does that team have? You know, you're going to the away team for games three and four right there. If that team is up, you might see, you know, a bigger push by that home team trying to come out really hot or maybe taking their foot off the gas if they have the lead heading into it. So, yes, Ben, it's certainly a very important game two and a game three situation. I actually was a little bit intrigued by that Mavericks plus 490, that games two and three parlay right there. Yeah, the Mavericks, to me, if their defense steps up, I mean, I'm sorry, if their defense is going to step up, I should say, if their offense steps up, I think they're going to be able to hang around for a couple games here. And I do think if they're going to win, it's going to have to be early because Phoenix, as we know, this is a team that has been so good and so consistent all season. You do not want to get into a war of attrition against this team. The Mavericks need to steal a couple early on. And that's why, uh, you know, I think there's some value on that price, Ben. And right now, Shames, that value is provided throughout the NBA playoffs because you could think of all of those numbers, all three that we just showed you, as a money line hedge of sorts for Game 3, depending on how you feel tonight in Game Number 2 goes in Phoenix. If you think the Mavericks can compete, maybe you take Phoenix at three to, uh, three games to none, and then you have a money line potential for Dallas to hedge out and find that middle in Game Number 3. We also have game number two tonight in South Beach. The Heat, an eight-point favorite now live as the line moves back and forth slightly for their game against the Philadelphia 76ers. James, where the heck is James Harden? A 22.5-point points prop for him tonight. Does he have to go over for the Sixers to have a chance? I, I think oh, he probably under, does have to. No, I'm going under. I'm for sure going under. Oh, we're going under. James Harden this whole postseason. That number actually weirdly is probably. going up. I got it at... I got it at 20 and a half the other day, and it went over, unfortunately, in that last Ooh. closeout game in the, in the Toronto series. But it went over. I was taking the under. It's, it's kind of unfortunate. But anyway, yes, James Harden, there's something off with him, Ben. He doesn't look as aggressive. That's the thing that's concerning to me. When you have a hamstring injury that you're dealing with, it impacts your explosivity. I think that may, may be the case, what we're seeing with Harden right now. He doesn't trust that leg. He doesn't trust that first step. And he's settling for jump shots a lot more often than not. Also making some terrible passes that I've seen. So, so 
you know, for, for, for the Philadelphia 76ers here, I think it's Tobias Harris who's going to have another big night tonight. He Ooh. has been around for the most time on this team and has established himself as a third option for a long time. And now we see him maybe moving into that first, second option role. I think he's a guy who's going to have to feast for Philadelphia to win as well. A team-high 27 points for Toby in game number one. We come back on the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Tons of day baseball to get to today across Major League Baseball right here on the morning after on a Wednesday on Sports Grid in Sirius XM Channel 159. The home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Spiz Grizz Network. I am Ben Stevens. We're going to break down the slate with our man DMB, Drew Martin Betts, in just a couple of moments. But tons, and I mean tons, of day baseball early on. A team to keep an eye on. In the NL East, off to a better start than maybe expected in that second spot in that divisional standing board right now. The Miami Marlins, who are a home favorite at minus 164 against Mad Bum in the Arizona Diamondbacks today in South Beach. I know that our Jack Weinberger, associate producer here on the morning after, loves Madison Bumgarner in an underdog spot. But that's generally at home in the desert in Arizona. But Arizona and Miami, one of the first games up of the day out in Kansas City it's an early start at the K between the Royals and the Cardinals as well and over under at seven and a half the Pirates involved we have the Mets and the Braves and day baseball in the finale of their four game set plenty to get to across this Major League Baseball card if Drew Martin Betts is about to join us here on the morning after DMB welcome to the show once again it's been a while my friend great to break down some Major League Baseball with you Big Ten, Ben Stevens. Always be, always good to be on with you, buddy. Happy uh, Wednesday morning to you. Happy Wednesday morning out there to the sports grid faithful. And you're right, man. I like this day baseball card. It's good to have some uh, some day diamond action, man, to uh, kind of get yeah. over hump day. So hopefully you can pick some winners here, buddy. Some hump day, day baseball. And we begin with one of the first games up, Drew, on your card between St. Louis and Kansas City. A Missouri in-state showdown in KC Mo, where that over understands at seven and a half. The juice is on the over right now, Drew, which is rather interesting because we've seen unders in such a big fashion early on here in this Major League Baseball season. What's the play? You going over or under that total of seven and a half between the Redbirds and the Royals? Well, both of these pitchers, Ben, have been, I, I mean, well, first, let me start off with, with Wainwright. You know, put together yeah. a heck of a career made a ton of money good for him the problem is he's at the kind of the end of his career and a lot of these guys that come to the end i i always think they're good fade candidates you know kind of just staying on the roster getting their starts and sure enough last time out he had five walks against the arizona diamondbacks now the diamondbacks have gotten off mm. to a decent start but still when you're walking that many guys i always look for something that might be wrong here. Plus you add on the fact he was throwing 87 miles an hour with his fastball. I just don't think that could live too long here. And you go back to the start before that against the Cincinnati Reds, likely the worst team in baseball, Ben. Sure enough, he had three walks, gave yep. up eight hits in that one in a short outing on April 24th. So Wainwright's 
a uh, a straight fade for me right now. The problem is St. Louis's offense is very good. They're potent. I like this offense, mm. that middle of the lineup. I don't think enough people are giving them credit there. Nolan Arenado making a run here for MVP. And they're going up against Bubik here, the lefty for the Royals. He has over a 10 ERA. I mean, a former first rounder out of Stanford and his ceiling's very high. It's just, he hasn't been able to put it together. I mean, last start out, he did go five innings, zero walks versus the New York Yankees, but he's kind of prone to the long ball here, giving up home runs with the Yankees hit two off of them. Um, And with that Royals bullpen, it is the worst bullpen by my numbers in MLB. I think there's going to be some late runs scored there for the Cardinals as well, Ben. So seeing this, it's seven and a hook. Now the wind blowing in from center this morning, that kind of made me pump the brakes a little bit. But still, hey, I fired away on the overnights. I got the over seven and a half today, uh, Cardinals and Royals. The Cards, one of just seven teams in MLB that have played a majority of their games to an over, 50% or more. The Cardinals have played 50% of their games to an over but 70 out of 30 major league baseball teams that goes to show you how little we have seen overs and how unders have hit in a big way nearly on a daily basis across mlb this year drew you mentioned the cincinnati reds and the reds today are going up against the milwaukee brewers the reds have been a team that we can fade at all points not just straight up they're three and 20 straight up but the money line price might be a little bit too big the run line price though might be a little bit more intriguing because the Reds are still 6-17, and 17, Drew, on that run line. Have they been a fade spot, Cincinnati has, for you all year? Yeah, I mean, I, I love going against the Reds. I mean, at, what's their record? 3-19, and 19, something like that. I almost can't keep up with it, Ben. Um, I guess yep. one problem here with the run line going up against the Reds, man, is they're, they're on the road, so you're going to be laying one and a half here with the Brewers at home, meaning – the Brewers are only getting eight at bats, Cincinnati getting nine at bats. And especially this year, um, I just did some work, what, about a week ago. And the plus run line for away teams is hitting at an alarming rate, like uh, over 60% of the time. So I don't like laying that one and a half with a home team. I would actually probably, if you needed something here, I mean, obviously I'm not going to be betting on the Reds until further notice. What I would do yeah. is split the bet on the brew crew between money line and run line. And therefore you kind of make yourself a minus one line. So if they do only win by one, um, keep in mind, we got three less outs here. It would probably put it in the, the high one hundreds, maybe like minus one ninety, something like that with the brew crew minus one minus one ninety. That's just kind of rough math. It, it might be a little bit off Ben, but, uh, that's the way I would point you towards just because I don't like laying that run line with the home teams, man. That's a great way of looking at it. And as you can see on those odds, Milwaukee's a minus 295 favorite right now at home with Freddie Peralta on the bump against Cincinnati. Laying a run and a half on the run line is minus 126. So that's where you can find a better price for a Reds team that, again, 6-17 and 17 on the run line this year, the worst in Major League Baseball with the worst record straight up in Major League Baseball at 3-20, and 20, but the highest over percentage at 54% for Cincinnati. So you're talking about road dogs. You're looking at a road dog today, Drew, in Philadelphia. The Texas Rangers on the road taking on the Phils. Why are you leaning with that plus money price for the Rangers today? Well, you know, I, I, Ben, I usually go through um, and make my betting schedule. And, I, and the first thing I do is go after starting pitchers that I'm looking to fade. 
And particularly mm. when you get big names where you find something wrong with them, that's kind of like the mixture where I've made the most money in the past in MLB betting. So that's what I go back to. And sure enough, Zach Wheeler, former first rounder here um, from the state of Georgia in 2009, he's put together a heck of a career. But the fact is his velocity is down this year. It's down about two, two and a half miles per hour from last season. Um, he is off of his best start, which makes it a little bit of a tricky handicap because usually I like getting guys, hey, off of a bad start, this is the start to something you know, that's even worse for the betting markets, but he did have four walks. And again, coming back to walks are killer. I like to fade guys that walk yeah. a lot of people, especially this year with the run suppression and unders hitting at a high rate. If you're walking people, that is going to eventually get after you. And Zach Wheeler has been doing that. He's going up against the Rangers. Rangers offensively, a little bit better than people would have thought coming into the season. And sure enough, they're throwing uh, Martin Perez here, the 31-year-old Venezuelan. Last time out, he pitched seven innings, only gave up two hits and one earned run against the Houston Houston Astros offense. So I, I kind of like this guy. He's a bet on for me, talking about Perez and the Rangers. We get the better bullpen with the Rangers. Um, so all of that adding up to, hey, I'm looking to bet on the Rangers. And when you start talking about, Betting numbers, not teams. Look at this number now. We're getting a big plus price on the Texas Rangers, yeah. and the the market's even going against me. Hey, bring it on, Ben. Plus one fifty five, risk a hundred to win a hundred and fifty five on the Texas Rangers. Let's go. Let's go, underdogs, baby. <laughs> so, DMB, take us through the daily grind of your Major League Baseball betting schedule. You mentioned what you look for first and what you target. What are the steps as you look at a daily slate in MLB? Well, that, that's the big one, to go up against uh, big-name pitchers where the market is pricing them at minus 170, and they should probably be minus 120, something like that, that 50 cents of value. That's one thing I circle. And I guess I might be in the minority here, but I go after bullpens. So the last couple years is where I've really been able to turn it around in MLB. You know, I started in this business, Ben. I left J.P. Morgan in 2014. And probably the first four years, I was a losing better in baseball. And I, yeah. I just pretty much changed it up to the first thing I do now is go after the bullpens. I go, who are your top three guys? Are they available? How are they pitching? What's your overall strikeout percentage from the bullpen arms? What's your overall walk percentage from the bullpen arms? Is the velocity there for the main three guys coming out of the pin? So if you do have a lead, are you going to be able to rely on these guys to keep it? And uh, that's kind of the first thing I do. Then I go off a handedness of pitcher, how the offense does. So if you're knocking lefties around um, and you're facing a lefty, obviously that's going to be a bet on spot for your offense as well. And when all of those kind of line up, that's when I try to hammer the market, man. I like the thought there, Drew. And that's really something you have shared with us throughout the last couple of seasons here through Major League Baseball. A couple more picks that you're looking at today. The Colorado Rockies have been a surprising team to start off this Major League Baseball season, especially at home. And the Rocks are at home inside Coors Field tonight. Where have you seen the most profitability on the Colorado Rockies this year, Drew? Well, actually, the, I, I agree with you. The Rocks have been a, a great bet this season. And it, it will be interesting to see if they can hang around here in the West with some of those, uh, you, you know, big spenders, we could call them, in the Dodgers and the Padres. Yeah. Um, but coming into this year, Ben, talking about the Rockies, I had them circled as, hey, with the DH coming to the National League, is this really going to help them, you know, with that ballpark advantage? Sure enough, I think it will. 
plus the fact in today's bet, we get a minus 140. I don't like laying the 40 cents here. I'm not a huge favorite better in MLB, but I think this is warranted. Gomber, their starting pitcher, former fourth rounder, former FAU Al as well. Um, last year, mm. his numbers were better at home. And we've seen the Rockies kind of gravitate towards this in terms of starting pitchers. And sure enough, his OPS against was 250 points lower at home. He's going up against Corbin. Corbin, OPS against in Coors Field. Keep in mind, he's got a pretty good sample size. 13 games started in Coors Field, over a 900 OPS against. So uh, Colorado, number seven offense in uh, in baseball at minus 140 up against the Nationals, one of the worst bullpens in MLB. I got the uh, Rocks, minus 140 tonight uh, over the o- o- over the Washington Nationals. Drew, we've seen the Mets win a lot of series to start this year. They're a perfect 7-0 in their series prices to begin this season. They have a chance to win their eighth straight where they win today in a day baseball game against the Atlanta Braves with Tyler McGill on the bump. The Mets booked as a home favorite. Do you think the Mets make it a perfect 8-for-8 in their series to start this year? I do. We talk about, you know, fading the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Same thing, betting on some of these teams out the gate, Ben. We get uh, McGill on the hill, 27 to 6 strikeout to walk ratio for the former Arizona Wildcat. He's really bearing down with a 1.93 ERA. Up against Ian Anderson, 11 walks and 19 innings. We get the Mets, the number three offense in MLB up against the Braves, which out the gate, former World Series champions here, bottom half offense. I would give a split in the bullpen. So all of that equaling up to, I think the market's given us a discount here. Minus 127 on the Metropolitans, Ben. And the line's working in your favor in both of those two games. With the Rockies at home and the Mets at home with some day baseball on this Wednesday. That's what DMB does. Drew Martin Betts bringing you the insight (laughs) for MLB on a daily basis. Drew, as always, thanks very much for your time. Hey, Ben, always a pleasure, man. Knock them out. Cash those tickets. Let's do that. DMB, cash some tickets for you in Major League Baseball. I try to do the same in the NBA postseason next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. NBA playoff prop bet and a thought process behind it to end out our show today on a Wednesday here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Just two days ago on Monday's show, I sat here with supreme confidence and I told you, take the over of Jalen Brunson's points prop for game number one for the Dallas Mavericks against the Phoenix Suns. It was at 19 and a half. He was averaging near 28 points per game in the six games they played in that opening round series against the Utah Jazz. He went over this number of 19 and a half in all of those six games. There wasn't a chance he'd go under in game one, right? Well, he finished with only 13 points on six of 16 shooting from the field. So here's the thought process. We don't go away from it. We go back to the well because it can provide profitability. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for another NBA playoff best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. (laughs) 
you never want to jump in front of a trend, but sometimes when a trend that's been going on for six straight games comes to an end, you forget about it. You leave it. Or you dive right back in, jump right back into the well. And that's what we do with Jalen Brunson's points prop tonight in game number two against the Phoenix Suns. It's down by a point from where it was in game one. As you can see there, it's only 18 and a half points. And the under technically has the juice. Jalen Brunson is still averaging over 26 points per game throughout this NBA postseason. The only time he went under this number of 18 and a half was in game number one against the Suns. Every other time, he has scored 23 or more points. They need Jalen Brunson, does Dallas, to contribute tonight to help out Luka Doncic if they have a chance of covering a six-and-a-half-point spread on the road or maybe even pulling off an outright upset victory in game number two. Jalen Brunson, over 18-and-a-half points because we go back to the well the morning after each and every weekday right here on sports grid it starts at 9 a.m eastern time i'm ben stevens and we'll talk tomorrow